0: You are listening to the Healing Migraines Naturally podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Caesar, and I'm helping women all over the country rediscover a migraine-free life. Today, I'm talking to Mary, who runs our awesome Facebook community, to answer the question, how come my medication stops working eventually? Welcome, Mary. How are you? Good.
1: How's it going? Good, good. Great day to uh, record another podcast. Yes. And I love this topic. I mean, I don't love it because it sucks for people, but I love that we're talking about it. Like that just came out so weird. I'm sorry. (laughs) But yeah, it's a good one. Important.
0: Yeah, this is. um, So in our Facebook group, Healing Migraines Naturally with Leslie Caesar, N.D., We have close to 12,000 women in the Facebook group. And this is one of the most common questions, one of the most common posts in the Facebook group. You know, I was on XYZ medication and it, you know, was a lifesaver for me. But over the past six months, it's just stopped working. And now my doctor, you know, wants to increase the dose or wants to try me on a different medication or, you know, has anybody had that happen? Has anybody tried another medication? You know, this is one of the most common questions that we see.
1: It's also one of the most common comments that I see, like people will say, have you tried blah, 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 medicine? And then you'll see in the comment threads, I did take it, it was a lifesaver and then it stopped working. So Mm -hmm. very, very common. Do you think it also, I mean, kind of rebound headaches kind of go along with this topic? Like we talk a lot about, or there's a lot of talk about my rebound headaches in the Group as well. (laughs) Yeah, we can
0: definitely talk about rebound headaches too, because the rebound phenomenon is actually tied into this. All right. So, yeah, absolutely.
1: Awesome. Let's do it. So,
0: when we take medication, we are manipulating our biochemistry and our physiology when we take medication. We don't think about that when we're taking the medication. We're just thinking, like, oh, the medication took the pain mm-hmm. away or prevent it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that's what it feels like to us. The medication took the pain away. So that's actually not what medication does. So medication is going to do one or both of the following. It's going to either prevent us from perceiving the symptom so the symptom is still there, but we're, we're just not able to feel the symptom. So the most obvious example of this would be something like Novocaine, right? When you go in for a tooth filling, they inject your gum with Novocaine and it blocks the nerve signals. So it's not as though the pain isn't there. You just cannot perceive the pain because the nerve signals are being blocked.
1: Right. It's not communicating pain to the brain. Where the brain's not receiving that message.
0: Mm-hmm. But the tissue damage is still being done. When the Novocaine wears off, <laughs> the tooth hurts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, medications are either preventing us from perceiving the symptom, being consciously aware of the symptom, or it is manipulating our biochemistry in such a way that the body cannot actually generate the symptom. So we're like, because every symptom, our body is generating symptoms because of different biochemical reactions or responses. And so if we alter our biochemistry, then perhaps, you know, we can kind of prevent the biochemistry behind the symptom.
1: Right. And I'm just going to, you know, be a devil's advocate over here. I would think most migraine sufferers going through what they are would go, well, how is that a bad thing? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't right, have pain. Exactly. So it isn't a bad thing if it's altering my biochemistry. Yeah. So here
0: we get into <laughs> here we get into the problem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Shall I pass the soapbox over to you, my dear? Right, exactly. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> so first of all, when we take medication, that medication has to be broken down and removed from our body. And before they can put a drug on the market, they have to determine, okay, how is the drug metabolized or broken down or detoxified by the body? So the the organs of detoxification are liver in our lungs and our kidneys. The liver and the kidney is going to be doing the bulk of the work when it comes to breaking down medication and eliminating it from the body. But before they can put a drug on the market, they have to test it. What detoxification pathways does the liver use to metabolize or break down this medication? How long does that take? That all has to be studied and documented before a drug is put on the market. And so what they do is they administer the medication and then they take blood samples or urine samples. They look for the drug metabolites or the little partially broken down drug molecules, and they do that over a period of time and determine how long does this take. And that will determine dosing levels, et cetera. You know, they will use that data for those types of things. So first of all, when we take a drug, that is putting a burden on our organs of detoxification because now they have to clear something that came in from outside of the body. And if our liver and our kidneys are not able to keep up, well, then they're not going to break down that drug in the way that it is expected. So if we have a little bit of a sluggish liver and the drug manufacturer says, well, this medication gets broken down in eight hours, well, if ours is a little sluggish, what if it takes 10? What if it takes
1: 12? Right. Well, and aren't studies done kind of like the average person? Like most people operate within A and B. So just because it means like just because it works for A and B person doesn't necessarily mean my body is going to be okay with it, right?
0: Exactly. And people who volunteer for drug studies, I mean, first of all, you know, they have to be screened for other health concerns. And so generally they're not going to have chronic health conditions. And so, you know, they're not going to take somebody that's severely ill and put them in an in a experimental drug trial for this type of thing. And so if somebody is extremely ill, well, I can tell you that their organs of detoxification are already sluggish because that's one of the reasons why we get chronically ill. And so you're absolutely right. When they're doing the studies, is it, you know, what does that relate to any particular individual taking the medicine? Could be wildly inaccurate for any individual person. So what we are doing when we take a medicine first, we are adding to like the toxin load of the body. And we're requiring the organs of detoxification to work a little bit harder than they would normally to get that drug out of the system. And maybe they can do that and maybe they can't. And if we have, if we cannot break the medicine down fully, we are going to have circulating drug metabolites that act like the drug. So when they, you know, when they think, well, this drug should be, you know, halfway metabolized in eight hours, well, what if 12 hours go by and you, you know, you still have that drug circulating and then they tell you, well, take this every 12 hours because after eight hours, you know, most of it should be out of the body. Well, what if that's not the case for you? And then you take it as prescribed. It's going to build up even more. You're going to have more and more of that circulating drug in the system and these drug metabolites.
1: And doesn't that, when we talk about extra buildup in the system, doesn't that just put a strain on your organs? Right. Then we've got even more to clear from the body. Yeah. So your liver's like, hey, man, I'm overwhelmed here. Exactly.
0: And so when those drug metabolites continue to circulate, the body starts to become almost immune to the effects. It's like, yeah, 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 I see you here. It kind of starts to ignore it. and so. You can see in that case, well, what 10 milligrams used to do, well, now my body is sort of acclimated to that because it constantly has these drug metabolites circulating. Now I need 15, now I need 20 milligrams. I have to keep increasing the dose because I'm never really clearing the medicine from the system. The other thing too is when we are altering our biochemistry with the medication, the body doesn't want us to do that the body is generating that biochemistry that generates the symptom for a reason. We may not be happy about it, but it is being generated for a reason. And so if we go in and try to shut that biochemistry down so the symptom doesn't get generated, the body will fight that. And it'll say, okay, she's trying to shut me down. Let me figure out a way to really generate this migraine. Right.
1: It gives a whole new level of the meaning my, I'm stubborn. (laughs) I'm stubborn on a biological level. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we are thwarting what the
0: body is trying to do because we think our body is stupid, right? We think our body is defective, stupid, and broken for generating this migraine, but it's actually not. It's generating that in response to the environment that we are in, the physical, mental, emotional, and for some people, even spiritual environment that they are in. Our biochemistry adapts to the environment that we are in. And so the migraines, as painful and as horrible as they are, is an adaptive response to the environment that we are in. And so if we go in and try to alter that, the body says, no, I'm doing this for a reason. So let me figure out how to generate this symptom despite her coming in and trying to shut off this biochemistry. So this goes back to one of the fundamental laws of physics, which is, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. This is one of Newton's laws. So this is this plays out, this is a law of the universe. This is not, <laughs> right? This is a, one of Newton's laws. This is no joke. It's at play, even at the molecular level of our bodies. Right. our bodies are not exempt from the laws of the universe. And so when we go in and try to suppress that biochemistry, the body has an equal and opposite reaction and it tries to generate that symptom even more. So what happens, so this, this can generate the rebound effect. These two aspects are what generates that rebound effect. So we have all this circulating drug metabolites that are partially broken down in different stages of being broken down because drugs don't just get broken, you know, like one step to breaking them down. Drugs might have to go through five, 10 steps to be fully broken down and eliminated by the body. So you take, you know, you take an Advil, you have little Advil metabolites in different stages of being broken down that circulate and have effects in your body. And so the rebound effect is a combination of these built-up drug metabolites having effects and your body's own response in accordance with natural laws of generating an equal and opposite reaction to what the drug is trying to do. So this is, that generates worse and worse
1: migraines. So it's like if you have an alarm going off in your house and you're not eliminating the actual, like the smoke or the intruder, but you're turning off the alarm, once the alarm's been turned off, it might come back again even louder. It's like, hey, wake up. You got to get out of here. There's smoke, there's fire or whatever. Right. Like it's right. screaming at you, mm-hmm. you turn it off, it's going to come back.
0: <laughs> well, right. It's like, okay, well, you know, there's, I'm burning something in the oven. Oh, but the fire alarm in the kitchen went off.
1: Oh, well, I'll just take the battery
0: out. Yeah. Well, then the smoke increases and now the, the smoke alarm in the living room is going off. Oh, well, I'll just take the battery out in the living room. <laughs> okay. Well, now the smoke's, you know, made it to the dining room. Oh, well, now the smoke, you know, it's like the smoke is still being generated because we didn't put the fire out. We just took the batteries
1: out that way better than I did, but <laughs> <laughs> totally makes sense that just because you've pulled the batteries out doesn't mean that the smoke's gone. Right. And see, it's very difficult for us to realize this because
0: when we take the medicine, it feels to us like the migraine, like that the drug took the migraine away. And so it's like, oh, I, I don't hear the smoke alarm anymore. The smoke alarm took the fire away. No, you took the battery out of the smoke alarm.
1: Right. And then sometimes we add a fan and blow the smoke out of the window. <laughs> I don't have any experience with burning things. you? <laughs> <laughs> right,
0: exactly. You know, this generates that rebound effect. The body starts working harder and harder to generate the biochemistry and the symptom that it's trying to generate. And so another thing that will happen with this is our body starts to expect us to suppress the symptom, suppress the biochemistry that's generating the symptom. So then this is what happens when people, they leave the house and they forget their meds and they get a migraine. And then because they didn't take their meds, it's like a total, you know, brain buster total blowout because the body it's kind of like if you and I like that kind of that kids game kids' schoolyard game where you know you put your arms out and I put my like we put our hands out and you and I press against each other with equal force and then we don't topple over, right? Because we're kind of pressing against each other with the same amount of force. What if one of us puts our hands down? The other person's gonna fall over because they're pressing with equal force against hands that are suddenly gone. That's what the drug is doing. The drug is suppressing the biochemistry with a certain degree of force. And the body says, yep, every time I get a migraine, she comes in with the two Excedrin. And so I'm gonna push back against the Excedrin because I'm generating this migraine for a reason. So then if I get a migraine and I forget my Excedrin at home, oh boy, right? People will have a horrible, horrible one because the body is pushing against two Excedrin that aren't there. So that's... That generates that rebound effect. And then you can see how, okay, what two excedrin used to do it. Well, now I'm gonna need four excedrin. Now I'm gonna need to take two excedrin every six hours. Now I'm gonna have to add a tryptin. It just continues to escalate because we have continued to suppress the biochemistry that's generating the symptom. And so for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And then the body starts to become desensitized to the medicine itself because we have all these circulating drug metabolites.
1: Right. So, I have a silly question about rebounds. It seems like I don't think I've ever experienced that myself, being that I don't get migraines frequently enough to take that much medication, but it seems like people experience those almost worse in some ways than the normal migraines or is it maybe just the dread or I don't know. Like are those a whole other level or Like how are those manifested in the body? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, well, I think there is definitely a mental and emotional component to rebound because again, when we take the medicine, it feels to us like the medicine took the migraine away and then it came back. The migraine came back. At the end of the day, it came back. The next morning, it came back. So then you have to take more medicine and everybody knows that we're not supposed to overtake this medicine. And so that can generate anxiety, just the fact like, oh no, I need to take this again. And so again, if we think that it was the medicine that took the migraine away, well, then when the migraine comes back, well, the medicine didn't work. My body isn't cooperating, right? Why does my body keep generating this? It does set up like a post-traumatic anxiety response or depressive response for sure you know, a defeated response or a doomed feeling.
1: Yeah. People seem to really like freak out for lack of a better word about rebound migraines. Well, and then,
0: you know, rebound can get so bad that you're just in pain 24 seven. And so then when you go into the doctor and you say, well, nothing works anymore. I'm in pain all the time. The doctor says, well, you're in rebound. You shouldn't have taken so much medicine. The patient is kind of blamed. And then the patient is like, well, what do you want me to do? I was in pain. And so then the doctor says, well, you have to, you know, do a cold turkey withdrawal of your Imetrex or your Excedrin or whatever it is. And that's, that's hell. Yeah. It's real, Who real. Who
1: wants to sign up for that? Too? Right, exactly.
0: Because again, your body is now generating all of this pain because it's pushing against the daily med. And so it's expecting, you know, the next morning when you wake up to put more, you know, Imatrex or more Excedrin on board. And when you don't, because you're going through a two week cold turkey withdrawal, your body whoosh, right? It's like it topples over because it's expecting this 20 pounds of pressure on it. And so it's pushing back with 20 pounds, but there's now
1: there's zero Mm. pushback. Here comes the crash, right? Exactly. So, question for you. Um, can you get rebounds no matter what the medication is you're yes. taking? Okay, so it's not just like prescriptions. It's also over-the-counter, like just anything goes. Absolutely. So yeah, people can get rebound.
0: You know, they can get Advil or leave rebound. They can get Tylenol rebound. The two most notorious things for rebound are Excedrin and Tryptans. Now, we have the new pill-based CGRP antagonists. You know, they used to be just an injectable form. They recently came out in pill form. And I'm sure as more and more people go longer and longer on those, like this is the NERTAC, uh, Ubrel-V, these medications, the new class of drugs, I'm sure people are going to go into rebound on those too. They haven't been out that long. And so people haven't had that much time. But uh, in my practice, what I see most commonly is that people are in an Excedrin rebound state or a tryptin rebound state.
1: That's so awful. Because it turns into damned if you're damned if you do, damned if you don't at that point, right? Mm -hmm.
0: So luckily, I have figured out a way of helping people get out of rebound and gradually wean off these medications without having to go through a cold turkey withdrawal. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, When I first started working with migraines, I wasn't sure if that was even possible. Um, I was really afraid that I would have to tell people that are in rebound that they would have to do a cold turkey withdrawal. But I have found, luckily, that we can avoid that cold turkey withdrawal, that we can get people out. I can get people out of rebound and gradually weaned off of the medication that got them there. And that's, a lot of people are even afraid to reach out to me because they know they're in rebound They've gone through a cold turkey withdrawal in the past. They don't know if they can do it again. And they fear that I'm going to tell them that they have to do that.
1: That would be definitely a a barrier for me trying to get help too. Like, like I said, he wants to sign up for that on purpose. Uh, Yeah, no, it's, (laughs) it's
0: very, very rough. So I'm very happy that I figured out a way to, to help people that are in rebound because most of the time, They are, you know, just kind of told to go home and lay, you know, lay in bed for two weeks, you know, come back when you're done kind of a thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this is, I just want to reiterate, the medication is not taking away the migraine. This is a very important shift for people to make. In their mind, because it's counter to what we experience when we take the meds. It feels to us like the medication is taking the migraine away. But again, it's either altering our ability to be consciously aware of the symptom, or it's altering, it's manipulating the biochemistry behind the symptom. And the body is going to fight that. It's going to figure out a way to generate it despite that.
1: So, just to, but I'll recap basically, If you're constantly suppressing the symptoms, but the symptoms are there, regardless, it becomes a point of you've taken a medicine for X amount of time. And now the body's like, I'm not going to let that suppress me anymore. I'm still going to let you know that there's something going wrong with my body. Correct. I'm still going to generate the symptom because the the red flag. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. The symptom, you know,
0: whether it's, my, whether it's a migraine, whether it's heartburn, whether it's insomnia, the symptom is being generated in response to the environment that we are in. It is an adaptive response. So we humans, what characterizes humans or sets us apart from other animals is that we are highly adaptable. You know, other animals, they have to eat, you know, if they don't have the particular type of, you know, grass that they eat, they're not going to survive. If they are not at the particular latitude that they need to be to survive, they're not going to survive, right? We humans, we can eat a wide variety of food. We can live all over the planet. We can, you know, live in the cold. We can live in the heat. We can do that because we are highly adaptable. Our biochemistry and our physiology can adapt to the environment. That keeps us alive. The flip side of that is that our highly adaptable biochemistry and physiology adapts or changes depending on our environment, physical environment, mental, emotional environment. And we may not like the adaptation, right? It may be painful to us.
1: So are you touching on triggers right now? Like When we talk about triggers, like the weather barometric treasure... (laughs) What is the word? I just blinked out. (laughs) the barometric pressure <laughs> oh my God. it's like a tongue twister <laughs> i'm am so amazed that we've made it what are we on like 18 or 19 episodes and that's the first time i've forgotten a word <laughs> trust me it happens all day every day <laughs> oh my gosh like there's so many days where i'm like go get the finger map bob out of the you know what <laughs> like <laughs> my poor kids, they don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, are you touching on triggers with uh, like, food and barometric pressure and the stressors that we've talked about in other podcasts?
0: Yeah, that that's an aspect of it. But I think even more foundational than that, so if we think of, say, the first principle, so for those of you that have been following the podcast, I talk about the three principles or the three things that we have to have in place in order to be in a state of health. And one of them is that we have the nutrients that every cell in the body needs to perform its work, to perform its biochemistry. So if we have um, if we have uh, some cells that are a little low on nutrients and they can't function properly, we don't just drop dead we have the ability to adapt to nutrient deficiencies, to a lack of nutrients. Now, is our biochemistry going to function the same if we don't have adequate nutrients? No. It's going to adapt. It's going to have to adapt to that condition, to that physical condition, to that physical environment. Now, I'd rather have a migraine than drop dead.
1: Right. I was just going to say we can survive. Right. But we're not going to feel so good. Right. Exactly. But again, it's like, okay, well,
0: I don't drop dead. I'm alive. Right. Beats the alternative. Migraine beats the alternative.
1: (laughs) I I think there's a few people that might question that. but (laughs) (laughs) Knowing how much they are suffering, you know? Right. Sure. Sure. So, you know,
0: it can be adaptations just as basic as that. You know, if we, uh, you know, the second principle is clearing and removing metabolic waste material from the body because every cell in the body, when it performs its work, its metabolism, it generates metabolic waste material. And that has to be removed, you know, that has to be pumped out of the cell and then it has to be processed and eliminated from the body. So what if that gets backed up? We don't drop dead. We adapt. We adapt to that physical environment where we have an excess of metabolic waste material. We may not like how we feel when we adapt, but we adapt. Mm -hmm. So it can be happening just on that basic physical level of the body, as well as a lot of what our migraine triggers are more of a vitality, a lack of vitality, which is in the third principle. A lot of triggers are due to inadequate vitality to weather the stressor. That's impacting us, whether it's a physical stressor, like a barometric pressure change or a mental and emotional stressor, things that we call stress, our vitality has to sort of meet the challenge of those stressors. So again, if our vitality isn't robust enough to meet the challenge, we're going to experience symptoms. We adapt to that lack of vitality.
1: Yeah, you know, we were talking about trauma, I think in the last episode, but- the one thing about trauma that was really interesting is that a lot of times as a result of trauma, our body starts attacking itself. And I just think that's so interesting that if, if you're not dealing with that trauma and whatever it is, you know, it can actually attack you physically if it's not with. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Because, you know, the expression as above, so below. And as above, referring to our mental and emotional aspect, so below, referring to our physical body, right? And so if someone has, we've talked about this in other podcasts, let me let me think of an example. If somebody, you know, if somebody believes that, if they have a belief that the the trauma that happened to them, if we kind of use a generic term trauma, you know, most people, who have a trauma history, they have an unconscious false belief that it's their fault in some way. And they might have spent a lot of energy over their life fighting that unconscious belief by pep-talking themselves, positive affirmations, overachieving, right? To try to counter that false belief in the unconscious. I mean, it's true to them, but Ultimately, it's untrue, but it's true to them that they are to blame. And so the biochemistry and the physiology is going to adapt to the mental and emotional environment in which we believe we are to blame for something. The biochemistry and the physiology will adapt to that belief as above, so below. So in this case, part of the healing journey for that person is to realize that they're holding an unconscious belief that they are at fault and letting that go. And unfortunately, even when people go into therapy, they don't actually do that work. Therapists focus more on sort of combating the false belief rather than taking an honest look at the false belief and realizing that it's false. Most therapy is oriented around fighting the belief. By coping with the belief, managing the belief, pep talking, positive affirmation, meditations, stress relief, not really getting to the root.
1: Go take a bubble bath. You'll be fine.
0: <laughs> so, you know, as above, so below. The physical body adapts to the mental and emotional environment that we're in.
1: Now, I have another question about the medication does every medication stop working or is it certain ones that are more notorious for it or I mean obviously we touched on the Advil and Excedrin cuz I wonder if everybody out there is just vulnerable to this stop working thing depending on how long So
0: everybody is vulnerable to it for sure so there is it's it's highly likely that what people will experience is the medication will stop working eventually and for some people it's going to stop working More quickly than for other people. And different classes of medication will stop working more quickly than for other people. So so I think it's interesting with the CGRP antagonists, the new class of drug, whether it's the injectables, the Amavig, the Mgality, or the pill based, the Ubrelvi, the Nurtec, what I'm seeing is that those are stopping working very quickly. But all medications have that potential. Even natural supplements. So this is the thing. We had a podcast on functional medicine and how functional medicine uses natural substances to alter biochemistry. So if you do this with a natural substance, it's going to stop working. Also, it's not just drugs. Our body doesn't say, "Oh, well, she's manipulating my biochemistry with a natural substance, so I'll let that go."
1: It's okay. <laughs> our
0: body <laughs> manipulation is manipulation. It's going to fight that. Okay. Well,
1: like it, you know, our body is so brilliant at communicating with us, but it's not very somebody direct (laughs) well
0: you know it doesn't want to be manipulated so it doesn't care if it's natural just because we value organic doesn't mean
1: (laughs) that old saying if your body like your body will whisper before it screams like it's not always like the most obvious message but it's correct for sure
0: so yes every anything that suppresses our biochemistry is highly likely to stop working over time or has the potential to stop working over time. That's why we really want to restore the normal function. We want to create an environment in which we are not generating painful symptoms. And, oh, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, I have another similar side question, but it relates. Just watching all of the conversation in the group about side effects of medication too, You know, like hair loss, weight gain, memory loss, like there's so much variety, it kind of blows my mind. But with the risk of side effects, and the risk that it might quit working, it feels like people are fighting a losing battle. And I guess my question to you is, is it even worth trying a prescription or an Advil when you know that there's side effects and this, you know, potential to stop working? You know what I mean? Well, I think
0: that nobody wants to take the meds. They're desperate. We'll do anything to get out of pain. We're wired that way. And that keeps us alive. So, you know, it's not a bad thing that we will do anything to get out of pain. But, you know, the rational, you know, well, you know, I know this is a Band-Aid and and like kind of that conscious aspect kind of goes out, to, out the window when we're in excruciating pain. We will do anything to get out of that. I think what I feel bad for people is when people say things like, oh, the Amovig, that saved my life. That was a lifesaver. And it kind of hurts my heart when I see people say things like that, because again, nobody has an Amovig deficiency. What we're doing with the Amovig is shutting down the body's ability to do some of the biochemistry that generates a migraine. And that has other shutting down that biochemistry shuts down that biochemistry all over the body. Again, the drug just does, just doesn't go to the blood vessels in the brain. It goes to all of the blood vessels in the body. So you're shutting down biochemistry all over, as that medication will do, and then your body's going to fight that, right? The whole whole thing. So the life-saving aspect is
1: going to be temporary for sure. And they, I know you've said the same thing about Botox in the group. You you don't have a Botox deficiency, right? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, you don't have a botulinum (laughs) toxin deficiency. Right, I think I said that once to someone and she got really mad at me and it wasn't coming from a place of like, oh, come on, dummy, you don't have a Botox deficiency. It was like, you know, come like I'm trying to explain that our bodies don't need Botox to heal. Like that's not what it's for.
0: But even with Botox, eventually the doctors won't give you any more Botox because the muscles atrophy, because you're injecting a toxin, that paralyzes the muscle. And so then if the muscle can't move, the muscle gets weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. And where are they injecting this? They're injecting this. Okay, yeah, well, people like the fact that they don't have as many wrinkles on their forehead, but they're also injecting this in your neck. And you've got to have, you got to be able to hold your head up.
1: Like I've got two, I've got the 11 lines in between my eyebrows. I would gladly let those atrophy right there. But (laughs) Um, Overall, it's not actually helping in the long run. Right. So even that,
0: you know, you you can't do it for too long. And then the other aspect to suppressing the symptom, and this is where it gets, I think, even more uh, heartbreaking for people. So when we keep going in and suppressing the biochemistry... And the body keeps trying to figure out, okay, I got to gotta make this happen. I got to adapt. I got to make this happen. How do I do it? Eventually, the body can give up on generating the symptom. And then you go into an even worse state of health. Right.
1: We talked about that a, a couple, couple of podcasts ago. ago. Yeah. I'll try and add that one to the show notes as well. So, you know, sometimes people will say, oh, well, you know, my
0: migraines went away at such and such a point in time. Or, you know, I started Topamax and then the migraines never came back. Well, here's the question for you. Are you in a better state of health or a worse state of health? Because if you are in a worse state of health after your migraines went away, that's because your body said, eh, you know what? I'm going to give up on generating the migraines because now I'm even sicker. So when symptoms go away, we have to put that in the context of our overall being. Just because a symptom goes away doesn't mean that that's a positive. It could be, yes, I'm getting closer and closer to a state of health and so the symptoms are improving, or I could be getting sicker and sicker and my body can't generate a migraine anymore. That can happen. So just because your migraines went away doesn't mean that you are healthier. You may be less healthy. And, you know, those of us, you know, when people have chronic migraines, they get, they start to, you know, put up with anything as long as I don't have migraines. And, you know, this is, again, we want to restore our health. We want to get closer and closer to a state of health, not further and further away. And some people are choosing, well, you know, at least I don't have migraines, even though I'm in, you know, I'm further away from health. Well, at least I don't have the migraine. This is, you know, a bargain that
1: we shouldn't have to make. Right, well, and yeah, we shouldn't have to choose between suffering with migraines versus suffering with side effects or or worse you know, health or worse health, yeah, you shouldn't have that's not a bargain we need to be doing you're exactly, right.
0: <laughs> exactly. So you know, when I'm working with my clients and we are reviewing their symptoms, and you know, I go into great detail, Every time I meet with my clients, we go through all of their symptoms, not just their migraines. And I'm asking them, you know, is X, Y, Z symptom a little bit better, a little bit worse, exactly the same? Like, what direction is this particular symptom heading in? And then you have to look at all of the symptoms in context and really make an assessment. Okay, this symptom may be better, but is it because the health is improving here or not, right? Just because something's getting better doesn't necessarily mean we're closer to health. And so I take this very seriously when I'm working with my clients to really go through in detail their symptoms and where are things heading and looking for those indications and signs that we're actually moving towards health. And that's why the symptoms are getting better.
1: Well, very good. What do you think, Mary? Honey, do you think we covered it? I think so. I I think it's a lot to chew on for me. I'm sure I'm not the only one. (laughs) You know? It's almost like uh, take pill A or pill B, and they both won't make you feel good. <laughs> like you know, it's a hard. I'm trying to think of a good word to use, but a hard, a conundrum to be put into for you know suffer or suffer. You yeah. know,
0: well, this is you know people feel like they're stuck between a rock and a hard place, and they are.
1: Yep. Well, hopefully, you know, the people who find this podcast will start seeing that there's a better way. To deal with it. That's
0: why we're doing this, right?
1: Yep. <laughs> exactly.
0: Well, very good. Thank you again, Mary. We'll talk next week. Yep. Awesome. Talk to you guys soon. And thank you for listening. Before you go, be sure to like this episode and subscribe to this podcast. And do you have someone in your life who would benefit from what we talked about today? If so, please share it with them. And if you want to stay connected, join my free Facebook group with over 11,000 women who are rediscovering a migraine free life. Go to Healy Migraines Naturally with Leslie Caesar N.D. on Facebook or healingmigrainesnaturally.com and we'll redirect you to the group. Well, thank you, Mary. I will talk to you soon.
1: See you then.
0: And thank you for listening. Before you go, be sure to like this episode and subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and other popular podcast platforms. Do you have someone in your life who would benefit from what we talked about today? Please share it with them. Share on your social media. Share within other Migraine Facebook groups that you are in. We really want to get the word out that you can recover your health and stop getting chronic migraines. And if you want to stay connected, join my free migraine Facebook group with over 11,000 women who are rediscovering a migraine free life. Go to Healing Migraines Naturally with Leslie Caesar, ND, on Facebook or to healingmigrainesnaturally.com and we'll redirect you to the Facebook group.